This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. For those of us in entrepreneur world, one of the key components, especially in today's world, is content marketing. So I thought it would be great to bring on one of the top-notch content marketing people on the planet, Viswas Anand. Viswas, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Michael. Glad to be on your show. Thanks for being there. So you know, you've got quite the repertoire. You've, you've been rated as one of the greatest marketing influencers by ET Now, and you've been recognized by a variety of different organizations across the globe. So what prompted you to get into content marketing? Why is it a passion for you? So I've always been passionate about writing, Michael. So it's, it's always been uh, my passion right from childhood. I mean, I, I've always been inspired and passionate about um, the subtle humor for P.G. Bodo's novel and uh, getting interested in poetry and reciting poems to family and friends. So that that interest actually uh, was kindled at a very early age and hence my interest in content marketing. So being a part of uh, uh, the technology uh, field for a while, I decided to actually move into uh, something I'm really passionate about that is marketing and I didn't get an opportunity in my previous firm and hence had to do an MBA in order to do that. So once I did my MBA and then uh, I was fortunate to get into a company that recognized my talent and recognized my keen uh, uh, leadership skills in content marketing. And then I went on to uh, start a team on my own and build it up from scratch. So, so right from the ground up, we actually uh, built a centralized team. And there are very few companies actually having a centralized team in place and formulating content strategy for the whole organization. So given the size of the organization uh, we are. So uh, that has been my journey so far. I've, I've always been passionate about content and it's something that keeps me going, keeps me motivated all the time. Well, that's awesome. And it's obviously you know, in our conversation and you know, emails and everything else that you are definitely um, working in your passion, but also your purpose, which is um, yes. a great, great place to be when you can um, operate you know, both on your passions and your purpose. Yes. So, so tell us what you do at Aspire Systems and um, how does it uh, contribute to your, uh, your content and your thought leadership? Okay, so uh, I'll just give a brief background about what Aspire does. So it's it's a global technology services firm, and we serve as a trusted partner for our customers, and we empower the strategic digital transformation initiatives. Basically, we we basically are into end to end digital transformation, uh, and we specialized core expertise is into software engineering, digital services, quality engineering, infrastructure and application support. Uh, we're targeting three industries. So we are into retail, PFS, and ISVs. And we are a globally distributed company as well. So across uh, the US, UK, Poland, Singapore, Benelux, Middle East, and India. So uh, in my role as content and thought leadership head for Aspire, I'm responsible for the organization's content and corporate marketing strategy. So it's across the company's service line. So we have multiple service lines. So the, basically what we do is we position our content writers as research analysts. And this we do that uh, in order to bridge that gap basically between the content and the research because a lot of times uh, the content writers are not very uh, research oriented. So we, we try to uh, hone their skills in such a way that they are tuned to become research analysts. 
and they adhere to the uh, editorial calendar, conducting B2B market research across different verticals and uh, churning out SEO-focused content, uh, thought leadership content in multiple formats. So be it blogs, white papers, articles, brochures, and so forth. So this is all uh, driving differentiated storytelling for the brand. We also manage, I also manage the content syndication programs with leading B2B IT publication vendors as well. So this is about the journey and how the team was started and, and also what I do at Aspire. Well, it sounds like it's an amazing organization. It's doing some great things uh, across the globe for sure. Well, another question I've got for you is yeah. how, do you, how do you think you know, the various brands that people have can mm-hmm. devise a successful content marketing program? What, what makes a really successful marketing program for entrepreneurs and, and businesses of all sizes? Okay, a very interesting question, Michael. So, so I was recently interviewed uh, for the Red Book of Content Marketing 2018. So this was a publication by Paul Reiter in York Communications. And what was actually shocking to see was that only 50% of the brands published content according to a calendar. And a measly 36% say they have a structured program in place. So furthermore, if you look at what the Content Marketing Institute is saying, uh, they say that just 37% of B2B marketers say they have a documented content strategy. So first of all, it's imperative for for brands to have a well-devised content marketing strategy and it should be documented with the right kind of approach. So I would strongly advocate a centralized team that works with multiple service or product lines throughout the organization rather than having silo teams which, which handle content requests and they, they don't adhere to any kind of brand or style guidelines and consistency uh, mainly. So having the right strategy always starts with identifying goals. Brands need to ask themselves four questions. So this is, uh, this is something that is very basic to having the strategy in place. So the first is, what is my mission statement? Uh, the second is, how can I describe my target customer? The third is, how does my product or services address my target customer's needs? And the last one is, who is my competition and how am I faring against them? So. Once you have these goals identified of a mission statement and then understanding who your target customer is and then aligning it to do your target customer's needs and then, and then playing around with the competition. Once this is done, the brand needs to actually perform a content audit. So this content audit should be done across the buyer's journey. So it's, it's from the awareness stage to the consideration and finally to the end purchase. So, this, this content audit would help categorize the various assets within the organization and make it relevant and, uh, relevant and purposeful and current to the present times. So an editorial calendar must be planned in accordance with these marketing teams and the go-to-market strategy. And then you can bring about a thought leadership that can be done through leading market research firms. And you can go about doing your analyst outreach or influencer marketing as well that can be integrated into the strategy. Um, finally, I mean, the channel distribution comes uh, uh, later on where you identify the, the best channel mix for your content distribution and try to improve your domain authority through SEO best practices as well. So one of the key um, strategies for brands is to is to bring out anchor content. So anchor content is more about uh, how every every kind of content asset can actually tie to this one central piece of content. There's there's also a term for it, content atomization, in a way where uh, it takes a very strong content marketing team and you can execute it, execute it in many different ways strategically. That can be the way forward. 
So this is actually what I'd advocate for today's brands. Well, it's an incredible list of ideas and, and, you know, how to effectively design a content marketing because I think many entrepreneurs and solopreneurs, they basically go into it and say, okay, I should probably send out a tweet or a LinkedIn post or, you know, take out a Facebook ad and not, and not really have it um, lined up with, you know, who their target is. They just kind of throw it at the wall and hope something sticks. And, you know, having a real clear, concise plan on how you want to uh, market your, your business or your service goes a long way in, in being successful and in, in getting in front of the right audiences, that's for sure. Uh, one, one question, another to kind of follow up on that uh, mm-hmm. to help our audiences, what do you mm-hmm. think are the top five content marketing metrics for entrepreneurs and brands to measure? What should they be keeping their eyes on? Okay, so... There are a lot of vanity metrics out there like Facebook likes or shares. So it's imperative for content marketers to know what to measure. So here are my list of top five metrics that I feel content marketers and managers should measure in order to stay on top of their game. So the first is the basic production metrics. So unless you have this in place, you won't get too far. So to me, the most important is having an editorial calendar. And uh, in order to do that, you need to... And once you do that, you can actually measure and track the performance and goals along with the deadlines of your team members. And uh, to me, a simple Excel spreadsheet should should do the trick. The second metric is the organic traffic and Google rankings. It it is a great indicator. Google uh, rankings are a great indicator of how well your content is performing. Because if you're not good at SEO, then your content won't rank very highly. And it's, it's, it's actually critical today to understand what keywords are working and what isn't. So that is, that is the second to me. Uh, the third is your subscriber list. So uh, the good news for marketers is that owned websites and email newsletters actually rank highly in the recent HubSpot's content discovery research. And there's nothing like owning your own subscriber list. Trust me. And the fourth is your engagement time. And this will, this will be enabled by Google Analytics that will be able to tell you the session duration and the page depth to which your content is actually resonating with your target audience. And the fifth metric is your returning visitors. So while the new visitor counts, it's the returning visitor that actually counts for more as a retention metric, for they will eventually turn out to be your brand advocates. And that is, and that is actually the key because the ultimate aim of any metric uh, is to actually identify the people who can actually stand for your brand and be the voice of your brand. And churning uh, uh, out these brand advocates and brand ambassadors who can actually stand up for your brand is actually the ultimate aim for your brand. It's an incredible list. And I think a lot of us, including myself, sometimes will will stumble on SEO and trying to figure out, okay, what are the, you know, the keywords that are, again, going to get in front of the right audiences? Because I know that there's some absolutely incredible content out there, but um, they don't have the right keywords in there for, you know, Google or other, you know, search mechanisms to jump out and actually see it and get it in front of audiences. So it's mm-hmm. awesome that your organization can guide entrepreneurs and, and businesses to you know, really focus on, okay, this is what's working out there right now. Let's you know, get those words out there. So when you come up on searches, 
um, then the likelihood of your content being seen increases dramatically. And when you do that, uh, your business can scale a lot quicker because, and, and you know this, and uh, I'm sure most of my audience does too, it's, you know, the social media and content is everywhere. I yes. you, you can, it's impossible to consume it all. So, you know, yes. people are, are narrowing down uh, what they look at and from a, a marketing standpoint, you want to, you know, narrow down who you're marketing to, you know, find out who your, your niche uh, or niche, depending on what part of the world you're from, um, you know, audiences. Well, it's funny because I, I, I live in Canada and I was born in America. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure which word is which. So it's, you know, I, I say it both because it, 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 it resonates with everybody. But it's, imp- it's important, again, to, you know, really narrow down, you know, how, you know, how you're marketing and, and know what you're marketing. Um, and that's, true, that, true. that goes a long, long way. So what do you think the future of content marketing is going to look like? Because, which is a funny question to ask in a way because content marketing uh-huh. is not new. I mean, it's been around ever since there's been marketing and sales. I mean, we, you know, people have been marketing for, uh-huh. for centuries, but you know, the way that we use it now and we think content marketing, we're, you know, we're thinking in the online space. So what do you uh-huh. think the future of content marketing is going to look like for the next 5, 10, or 20 years? Uh-huh. Okay, a very interesting question and a lot of uh, debates have been going around this topic as well. So, uh, okay, so so last year I was at this content marketing summit so hosted by the World Marketing Congress. So in that panel discussion, the, the, the topic was the present and future of content marketing. So I made the point that the future of content marketing would be a superior blend of technology and human creativity. So... Anne Handley, I mean, the best-selling author and uh, one of the greats in the content marketing field, she she said that touching the sweet spot of quality content is a mathematical formula of utility, inspiration, and empathy. So if the value of any of these is zero, so is the quality of your content. Now, bots cannot be sincere on the empathy front and the inspiration front for that matter. So unless they have the element of human creativity. So human creativity also would need to bring in multiple tenets like trust and personality to align to content marketing goals. And uh, I was recently interviewed for this Red Book of Content Marketing and they, it was actually heartwarming to see content marketing ahead of other marketing trends. So content marketing featured first and some of the other marketing trends like marketing automation, big data and AI actually came after that. The other interesting trend was that 73% of organizations are shifting their content strategy from building branded content to actually establishing themselves as, as content brands. And that is really important because uh, we've seen a few examples where Red Bull uh, and a few other companies are actually establishing themselves as content brands rather than just building co- branded content. So I, I believe in this uh, 3A content model. So um, I, I've devised this 3A content model. Before I speak about the 3A content model, I just wanted to touch upon social media as well since you uh, mentioned social media. so. Uh, uh, today, I mean, during every minute of 2018, according to a Domo stat, there are around 4.3 million YouTube videos being watched, uh, around 4, 473,000 tweets being sent by users, and 3.8 million Google searches. Now, content saturation is actually making it hard to stand out in this Me Too content landscape. And if you look at it, the economic value of simply publishing content is zero, unless it is actually seen and shared. Now, according to Buzzsumo, they say that content engagement like shares, links, and comments on social networks 
have actually uh, gone down by 50% since 2015. And if you also look at face Facebook and what they are doing, uh, the algorithm changes around Facebook have resulted in a steep decline in both organic referral traffic and clickbait style headlines. Now, uh, Moz and Basumo also conducted this analysis of 1 million articles where they said that uh, the shares and links are not normally distributed around an average. So if you look at it, there were very few articles that were actually hitting the content sweet spot of authoritative research-backed and opinion-forming content. Now, a popular topic uh, by the end of 2017 was Bitcoin. Uh, and if you look at it, there was a surge in interest leading to around 40,000 articles being published by December 2017. But what was the result? If you go deeper, it would be that it, would, it has resulted in tougher engagement because the number of shares per article kept declining even for popular topics like machine learning. So, uh, and we're living in a post-truth world where a brand has to create and protect its identity. And this is where I bring in a concept called true content power and content worthiness. Now, if you type content worthiness in Google with or without the space or hyphen, you'd, you'd probably come across two kinds of results given the nature of personalization today. You either won't find too many people talk about it or you'd find people talk about improving a website's rankings in Google or getting the maximum shares out of a particular piece of content. And uh, strangely, I even found an Investopedia link appear on the first page of my search results called creditworthiness. Now, credit, what creditworthiness is built over time, I feel contentworthiness can destroy in no time. Now, if you define contentworthiness, and this is my philosophy of contentworthiness, defined along the lines of creditworthiness. So it is the valuation that determines the possibility. Like creditworthiness is the valuation that determines the possibility a borrower may default on their debt obligations. I've defined contentworthiness as the valuation that determines the possibility a brand may default on their truth-telling obligations. And this is where I bring in the concept of true content power. So it's, a, it's basically a cascading set of brand experiences with high content scores and that which can bolster the brand's identity in this post-truth era. So how we can actually measure a true content power is through uh, my TA content model. So it stands for authenticity, accuracy, and agility. So authenticity actually stands for trusting the integrity of the brand's messages. Accuracy is the specific validation of the message. So it, a brand might be authentic by nature, but then uh, a lot of facts emerge or a lot of uh, alternative facts emerge from a brand that's even considered authentic today. So hence, I've, there's another A uh, in play. So this is called accuracy. So with accuracy, it is the specific validation of the message on the strength of its credibility and trustworthiness. So you're eliminating the chances of an authentic brand being inaccurate as well. And then finally, agility. So agility is actually key in today's age as well because it measures the nimbleness of the brand on the ability to put out information in a timely manner. It can even be taking down information to reflect the true status of the brand. So, uh, so in a 2014 study where I came across uh, the age of authenticity study conducted by Korn and Wolf, they found that 63% of consumers would buy from a company they believed was authentic instead of from a competitor. So uh, this was uh, something that uh, that have really, uh, that is close to my heart. I mean, the 3A content model and content worthiness because content worthiness, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not defined in the way we'd like to see it. And I'd like to make a strong case for content worthiness here. It's such good insight on what the future of content is going to look like. And 
and it sounds like you and your organization you know are keeping an active you know pulse on on trends and in adapting accordingly and and helping organizations you know work on the things that are working right now and not something that worked in 2014 which you know isn't that long ago but mm-hmm. in the internet world and content marketing you mm-hmm. know stuff that was working in 2014 Mm-hmm. isn't going to work in 2019, um, at least not now. You know, some things go full circle and things that used to work that now don't work could work again. But it sounds like you and your organization are doing some incredible work on that. So I want to thank you for your being on the show. Um, where can people find out more about you and, and reach out to you in case they have any, any further questions or want to uh, um, utilize your services? Sure. So I'm available at uh, vishwasanand28 at gmail.com. That's my email ID. And uh, I have a Twitter handle uh, and a LinkedIn uh, page as well. So uh, my Twitter handle is vishwasanand28. And I'm uh, on with the same name on LinkedIn as well. So if you just search for vishwasanand, you'll be able to find me on LinkedIn. That's awesome. And and audience, I'll definitely have all of those links in the show notes. And um, I hope that you have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. So thank Thank you you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you and the work you're doing. And uh, again, audience, reach out to to him and his group because uh, they're doing some incredible work. So thank Thank you you so much, Michael, for having me. For being on the show. I appreciate you. And thanks again. And until next time, everybody, be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.